Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. sleeps, the soul wanders. I often wonder where it goes. Atlas is recording on. Recording set to active. Day 504 in space. Day 172 with no contact. No radio waves, no blips, no beeps, no anything. Atlas, how many days left? 30 days until current resources fall below survival threshold. The hunger pains come and go. I think I'm slowly getting numb to it. When there's no physical pleasures, no physical comforts to tether you to the present, Your mind leaves your present self behind. It dances through the memories of your past, living in the better times and the regrets. I used to believe the sum of my existence was something constantly recalculated and refreshed from moment to moment, action to action, as if each moment existed as its own page in its own book, separate from all the other pages, all the other books and judgments, separate from all the acts I've committed that came before it. But now, in this moment, my page is empty. There's no book to be written. So what then is my story? I've bought time, but for what? I eat, but with press protocol, it's hardly enough. It's uh, Atlas current temp. The current temperature is 40 degrees Fahrenheit. It's cold. There's something about not being able to escape the cold. You can ignore it, you can bundle up, but it's always there, always creeping into the seams and the gaps of your willpower. It's become this painful, finite nemesis. It's a bitter, unpleasant thing, 
but I could admire its stability, its evenness. There's almost comfort in its constant presence. Almost. My pages lately are empty, but I'm still here. So what does my existence measure out to? How do you measure a life that doesn't move? I'm realizing a man isn't measured by his present after all, but by all the moments and all the choices of his past, by the acts responsible for getting him to his current state, to his now. This is the first time I've measured myself by the pages gone by, by the chapters I've previously been eager to overlook. The Oculus is out, in low power mode. And with the solar panels fried, visual entertainment is deemed a non-essential resource drain. So I'm left to my thoughts and my memories. Too many get replayed in my head, as if watching reruns of an old TV show, one long forgotten. It's surprising which memories have been popping up. I replay the big ones. Yes, Lenore, our wedding day made the cut. And the day you were born, Cass. It's funny when you mute the body, the soul gets louder. All my years I fed one half of myself. I nurtured the physical. Now it's the other half that's trying to speak. Before, I could bury my past, cast any regrets or doubts aside for the sake of the mission, or drown them out with a hot meal, a mindless show, a warm body. Without these physical distractions, the mind gets bolder. The soul finds its voice. <sighs> to be honest, I'm probably losing it. What if? What if it's something else? It's like going blind, losing one sense with the others getting stronger. But I don't know if I'm ready for what these new senses are picking up. I've seen the man I used to be, and by extension in most ways still am. I've seen him doing things that I'm not proud of. But more than that, it's the things he, the things I couldn't do that hurts. It hurts in a way I hadn't let myself understand before. It's day 18 since preservation protocol. The first extra day I've officially bought myself. 
By now, the food would be gone. Oxygen and power supply would be nearly depleted. Too often, I envy the other reality, where I took the easy path, where it's already over. There's still no point to the added pain, the added days to my life, but this new reflection, I think it's worth holding on to. But why grow? Why reflect if it's gonna end anyway? But then we're always going in that direction eventually. Anyway, I mean, aren't we? Maybe it's never been about the things we gain that can't be permanent. Maybe it's about the ways we change. I don't want to get into specifics. I don't want to put a date on the day the clock strikes midnight, but Cassie, I've got no more than a month left, tops, provided my lungs hold out with the limited O2. What is that? Looks like an anomaly on the radar. It's almost... Looks like another craft, but... Its metric reading doesn't match up. Uh, it's most likely amalgamated remnants of an electrical storm or... Solar flares. Atlas, note to monitor the reading. I'm logging for any changes. Note confirmed. I could obsess over, in all likelihood, what is assumedly a statistical noise, or I could ignore it. I could treat it for what it is and get back to remembering how cold I am. Or hungry. Or bored. I can get back to not acting on anything. I've gotten too good at not acting. At being passive. In the chapters of your own life gone by, it's easy to go over the good parts, to reread, relive in your mind the wins, the celebrations. It's the bad chapters in my book I try to forget. I've made a habit of avoiding those. Only now I feel those pages are finally catching up to me. Cass, if you hear this, I hope you know I always tried to set a good example for you as a parent. I tried to be the father you deserved. I know I wasn't perfect, far from it. But the truth is, I didn't always know what being a good father looked like. What a bad one did, that I knew. Even in the silence up here, I still hear his voice found a permanent home in the empty spaces of my mind. When things get eerily quiet, when I begin to lose myself to the hunger or the boredom, his yelling wakes me for many days. You can grow up, move out, run all the way to the reaches of space, but some things you can never quite outrun. I remember when his eyes would change. 
a switch would go off inside him and he'd turn to a different person. It was the drinking, the long hours. The idea of never being good enough, that all drove him to anger. It drove him to hit her. She was good. Too good for him, my mom. Rest her soul, she was a saint. She would put up with it, the daily screaming and hollering of physical abuse, all because she refused to see darkness in anyone. Even in the form of all the trauma and all the violence, she smiled through it all, never letting go of the illusion that everything was fine, <laughs> that we were happy. The worst part is I was too young to understand then, or just not willing to understand that that wasn't normal. That your dad drinking meant everyone going to their rooms and hiding is not normal. She'd plead with him in the sweetest voice, Harold, come eat dinner with us. Harold, James got an A in class, isn't that nice? Harold, no, I didn't mean it that way, I'm, I'm sorry. to know when you're supposed to know any better. It's hard to know when you've, you're meant to intervene. In, in retrospect, maybe it should have been more obvious. But I was never the support my mom needed me to be. The support she may have secretly hoped for. I didn't act then, I retreated. I let the way of things happen in front of me and that is something that still burns inside me. Even in this cold emptiness, I feel that fire. I feel that regret. In the big picture, we're not judged by the things we say or the merit of our thoughts, but our actions. A measure I'm good at failing. As I grew into a man and should have known better, I let the curse words, the throne plates, the heavy hands, I let my mom live with it. I failed to act, and in doing so, I failed her. I didn't protect her. She was a constant light, and I let him bash and beat and dim her shine until there was nearly nothing left. It's easy to know what's best. It's easy to know how the world should be. It's much harder to enact that change. Saying the right things, not messing up, that I'm good at. That's what got me up here. But acting when it matters, when it counts, the real measure of a person. I, I haven't learned my lesson yet. 
for anyone that hears this, I think we're long past the point of security clearances meaning anything. I'm not up here for routine maintenance on the station. I'm not conducting any G-force experiments. I'm a soldier, first and foremost. I was here to follow exactly one order. Be America's last line of defense. Our nuclear option, literally, our ultimate deterrent. Publicly, all civilian manned stations were grounded in the armistice of 2028. This tiny station remained up here, covertly, as a weaponized last resort. Strike America, and a precision nuke straight from the exosphere was headed to your capital. Nothing was supposed to ever happen. A deterrent is just that, a deterrent, something to prevent any wars. Somehow something went wrong. Somehow the bomb started anyway. The country saw red and it all collapsed. This is why I'm up here. This was my purpose, to protect my country, my family. Only, I didn't. A command came in on the secured line. Last communication I ever received. A faint voice, one I couldn't recognize, it said, Kelly, one. And then the line went dead. The signal turned to white noise. And it started. The bombs. The fire. The clouds. I was put on this station for that moment, and I did nothing. I froze. Again in my life when it mattered. I failed to act. We have short codes for likely targets. I could have hit one and hoped it made a difference. Would it have stopped even one missile from hitting the US? Would it have spared one city or even one person? I don't know. I don't know. And the voice, Kelly, one. What did he mean? One what? Played the words countless times. One target? One mission? One planet? What was he trying to say? Did I imagine it? Is my mind trying to distract from my failure as a soldier? Or was not adding to the carnage, the destruction, the right move? I was put in this station for the same reason we're all put here to begin with to act to make a difference, but knowing what difference we're supposed to be making and having the conviction to take action. That's something even now I'm still chasing. I, I, I couldn't act. I couldn't do what I was supposed to do. Change detected in monitored reading. Whoa. 
Oh, Atlas adjust sensor. Expand data reading. Process material and energy output reading. Processing. That's no solar flare or electrical interference. It's another craft. Russian? Chinese? Who is that? Atlas, can you identify origin of foreign craft? Cannot detect any foreign markers or identifiers from this distance. How long have they been up here? Must be one of their own covert ops. Atlas, broadcast message. Broadcasting. This is Commander Kelly aboard the USS Samson of the United States of America. Please respond. This is Commander Kelly aboard the USS Samson of the United States of America. Please respond. See 
Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.